This is part one of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. All right, it's going. This podcast is brought to you by... Ketchup. It has mellowing agents. Oh, wait, you wanted me to say that it was peanut butter cookies, because <laughs> we've been eating peanut butter cookies. <laughs> no, I, I I knew you would want it to be ketchup <laughs> as, a, as a hat tip to Prairie Home Companion, right? Yeah, right. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but we don't have the little ketchup skit um, where it starts off with something horribly stressful that there, that's going on. It's like a five minute long thing. And then it wraps up with, you know what you need? Ketchup. Ketchup has natural mellowing agents. Something something like that, I can't. Yeah. Alright, I'm setting the microphone down. But it's it's Easter and instead of um you know, doing the consumerist thing of all kinds of chocolate and junk and I made peanut butter cookies. And was it difficult for you to not put together Easter baskets for like everybody? <laughs> A little. <laughs> I've been too busy with my client work, with my accounting, um, so I just couldn't even think about it. Um, but you know, we they're honey peanut butter cookies Those made grain free with uh honey from the lab and and i splurged there's something about honey you're not supposed to bake it it converts the sugar some way that makes it not as healthy for you Mm -hmm. uh but i did today i figure Mm -hmm. that's far better than easter candy that most people eat okay that's so that's why we're eating so many peanut butter cookies i mean we had a great breakfast and everything but yeah, well, there has also been quite a few. There was there was peanut butter cookie dough for a while, and then the peanut butter cookies. Hey, I did not push that on you. <laughs> no, it's all I didn't good. Make it. No, it was just a little little bit of goofy, a little bit of fun. Okay, um, by popular demand, when when we polled the Patreon people, uh, the the number one response. For like, what should a podcast, the next podcast topic be? The number one response was Paul and Jocelyn's wish list. And um, I'm referring to a document that I wrote uh, last December. I think I wrote it just after Christmas, like like the day after Christmas. It says on Christmas Day, December 25th. Oh, okay. All right. So I wrote it on Christmas Day, and then you replied like the next day or something. And added your wish list. Yeah. And and you called it, it's in the Wheaton Labs forum, you called it Stuff I Wish For, It's Okay to Wish For Stuff, <laughs> which is a play on a common phrase of yours, which is, it's okay to want things. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody should be able to want all the things that they want, that they want to want. Um, it's when people start having expectations that the shit hits the fan. And so um, wanting is good. In fact, if somebody, you know, uh, uh, if they want money, then um, it's like, well, let's see if we can work out a business transaction. 
you know, something like that. But, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's good to want things. It's healthy to want things. It's like, uh, I don't know, it seems like there's a lot of people that attempt to shame people for wanting things that thou shalt not want, and they take it a little too far. And so... Uh, all right, so we're going to go through this this list um, and and talk about uh, all of these different items. And and I'm, I'm guessing we're going to just do my list first, then we'll go on to your list. Makes sense to me. Since that's the way we wrote it and all. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like I didn't reply until New Year's Day. So. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize you were going to reply at all. I just kind of felt the need to put it out there. Oh, In fact, I, now I'm kind of curious, like how... You asked me to reply. Not very many people have even looked at it. I'm some... I'm I'm surprised that people want it as a as a podcast. Well, you know, different. I don't know. Maybe there's different people and different interests on the forums than people on the podcast. I think are more interested in our perspective and what we're up to. And people on the forums, I think, are more probably going to the forums more for information. Like like I was this morning on how to start nettles. Oh right, you're right. You got on a jag about nettle seeds. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we've all been kind of. I mean, the the ground is workable here, and and everybody's been going out planting seeds, and uh, and seed orders have been arriving, and we're racing out to plant them everywhere, and and things like that. And so, yeah. Um, but what did you find out about planting nettles? Like, when is the best time of year to plant nettles? Stinging uh, nettles, by the way, is what we're talking right, about. Right, right. We're talking about stinging nettles. Um, it varied. Uh, I think the best time of year is August or fall, it sounded like, um, possibly. And that's kind of what you thought. Although... Yeah, some people were doing it almost any time of year in the in the spring as well. So the key is for them to make it. They need a spot that's very fertile and a little bit swampy. It's like kind of wet and fertile. And so um, we've got the turkey tree, which a lot of people have speculated. Let's plant nettles there, but I kind of feel like there's a couple of problems with that. One of them is is that. It doesn't get enough water there, and while there is four inches of turkey shit under the turkey tree, so lots of fertilization, um, uh, well, you know, it's possible that with all that fertilizer continuing to rain down year-round, <laughs> that might provide enough moisture. moisture. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's possible we might get a fairly wet summer. We've had a couple dry, dry summers in a row here, and typically June has, which is late spring, early summer, usually has our most rainfall. So it's it's been unusual summers. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, uh, Fred thought we might still have a few nettle seeds left. Uh, so nettles are. I wanted to add to the wish list at the end of things, but since we've got it at the beginning of the podcast, that's a big wish list item of mine is I loved collecting nettles when I lived in the Seattle area, and you made videos Mm -hmm. of some of that, and I like to cook with them. I like to dry them. I like, you know, I haven't done enough with nettles in my mind, and I'd like to do more. And it would be lovely to have them grow here. We uh, Base camp is very poor, rocky soil, and um, it's pretty. It's a lot drier here than in the Seattle area. Uh, you know, 
I'm sorry to interrupt, but but that said, I do think there is an exceptionally fascinating thing that we discovered last fall, growing in an area of rock and sand. And so you're talking about growing nettles and what does what do nettles need? And of course, it gets really dry here. Mm -hmm. But there was this one spot that had zero irrigation all year, and the there was a, a a an apple tree which got run over so we had an event yeah. in the spring and somebody ran it over broke it off right at the ground and i thought oh man that was too bad cuz that looked like it was going to be a tree that made it and uh, cuz it's down the turtle lot yeah and um so we kind of propped it up with some sticks and wrapped a little tape around it or something. I can't remember what all we've done, but we kind of tried to, like, well, maybe it'll give it another shot. And it did. Um, And there's a rhubarb plant right next to it because, you know, having a rhubarb near a fruit tree, always a good thing. Um, But this rhubarb had always kind of been a little sad, and (laughs) I've been trying to pee on it once in a while as I walk by. (laughs) Not on it, but next to it. Yeah, near it. Near it. And so... um, uh, but it's like, you know, it's just just rock and sand. We didn't it doesn't even have any hugel culture stuff in it, no wood in it. Um and no mulch. It's it's just a spot that's neglected. It's it's kind of a zone three, zone four area. Um and so no one's really given it the love it deserves. At some point we must have put down some alfalfa and like a lot of things we'll, we'll put these seeds all over the place and it's like good luck seeds you're on your own and right. then in most places it doesn't take but then there'll be a spot where it does and in this spot the alfalfa took and it went to town yeah and um and and if you ever need proof that a legume will share it's nitrogen without being stressed. And this was an argument that Helen Atow and I had like right. six years ago. Right. Um, I took pictures of it and I never, I don't think I ever even shared the pictures. They're on my phone still. I happen to be walking by and it's like, this is such a magnificent example. But uh, when it got really, really hot, almost all of our rhubarb uh, went dormant um, because it's hot. It's just, sure. that's what rhubarb does. Right. This one didn't. In fact, um, the, the, the apple tree and the rhubarb became, um, they got a really dark green to them. Yeah. And they just became massive. They yeah. just were super healthy. I mean, especially the, that apple tree, considering how it was run over right. just a few months earlier. It's like, wow, did it ever come back? You know, I posted when the, when the alfalfa was going great guns was during uh, last year's PDC and Elaine Chef um, from Green Path Herb School in Missoula came walking, took the students on basically a walk about the property to talk about herbs and other growies and she stopped in front of the alfalfa because the alfalfa was so wonderful and and talked about all the different medicinal uses of alfalfa and that you could just dry it and make tea out of the flowers and the um, leaves, the whole plant. And I forget what the medicinal use is, you know, um, but 
I took a few pictures of that, and in the background of Elaine and the students is where the rhubarb and the apple tree are, and I'm not sure if they showed oh. in those pictures that I posted. And that was part of our PDC last year. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, hey, everybody, come take our PDC this year. Um, right. There are still tickets available. And um, if, if I don't think if, uh, it's beginning to look like we're not going to have a full class. And if, if we don't have enough students, I'm not going to offer it again. And I thought that this is what the pod people wanted. Right. Was this. And I thought it's like and, and the results were the best PDC, not only the best PDC we've ever had here. But the best PDC I have ever seen anywhere. Right. So, and and I'm going to share something um, publicly that I don't think I shared. So, Alan is an incredibly soft-spoken man. In if you just meet him at a group event or whatever, he's a soft-spoken, very articulate uh, engineer type, mm-hmm. and I. I had a few misgivings about someone who is that understated being a good instructor. And just just because sometimes you want more of a dynamic, you know, larger-than-life character or oh, something oh. keeping you entertained okay, as so they're teaching yeah, you. Anybody standing next to me seems <laughs> like a soft-spoken person. Maybe. Maybe yeah. that's probably it. So I had some misgivings and, and you know, and no fault of anybody's. It was just, you know, you, you form obnoxious opinions. Everybody does, not just larger-than-life characters. And, um, and I was pleasantly um, surprised and and proved wrong that Alan did a fantastic job in providing quality interesting amazing content so um, that's what I kept hearing from all the students and um, and that was my experience in working with him incredibly organized incredibly detailed incredibly all the things you want with an instructor. I I think that the most important thing is is that he um, he polishes every minute of the whole PDC. Mm-hmm. That um, but <clears throat> as far as him being soft spoken, I mean, I I, I guess I haven't noticed it. I to me it, it's like he's one of the few people I feel I can talk to because he qualifies his statements. Mm-hmm. And um, the information that he presents is re- is presented in the appropriate engineering language. He, you know, this this language of qualifying your statements. Um, and it's like, oh, it's it's so easy to exchange a lot of information quickly. I feel. And so I I do think that people who've listened to all the podcasts or even a lot of the podcasts would um, find this to be the best PDC. And um, I know that um, years ago, Mark Vandermeer uh, had two people. He says, we've got a gig, but apparently, and and he does a lot of large-scale permaculture-like designs. That's his job, and he implements them. Right. And so he's got a crew. And he says, okay, we got a gig, but somehow these people have listened to you or something, and uh, they won't... They they won't hire us unless we've got uh, at least two people on our staff that are uh, have the certificate for a PDC. And so he says, where can I send them to go get the certificate? 
and so I made a suggestion, and because um, <clears throat> you know he wanted something that was in the region, and so I made a suggestion for one that was in the region, and I know the instructor, and the instructor is quite good. However, the instructor is going to teach to newbies that are basically like just trying to learn the word permaculture. Well, these two people were bored out of their minds. Oh, bummer. And they were like, when the holding hands and singing songs part came up, <laughs> then uh, they wanted to quit. But they were they were being paid to attend a PDC. Oh, my gosh. And okay. so they stuck it out to get the certificates, but they were really upset about it. Yeah. So I kind of feel like, you know, hey, folks, if you want this kind of PDC and you want to get the certificate, you you got to actually buy the tickets. And so... Um, uh, I think we're offering it for a hell of a good price, and um, ah, etc. That's not what this podcast is supposed to be about. <laughs> but but there, I think I think we um, I don't I don't even remember how we got here. Let's get onto the list, the wish list. <laughs> right, right. We're just saying we have PDC spots and ATC spots available yes. this summer. Right. So right. Um, and there'll be um. Yeah. This is the first year that the ATC tickets have been selling better than the PDC tickets. Right. Yeah. Right. But, we, but there are still spots available for that, and that sounds very exciting. There's going to be a... I mean, I think the big thing this year is going to be the you know, build your own uh, solar glass recycling station. Woohoo! Yeah. I love it. All right. Uh, I, my list is broken into three pieces. Um, I wish two. I wish four... And stuff that I think I can get if I have oodles of coin. <laughs> All right. I wish to the I wish to list is very short. There are two items on the I wish to list. I wish to infect a billion brains with my permaculture philosophies. So, I know that number might sound ridiculous, but we're already well over 100 million right now. And of course, that's not that's not my permaculture philosophy is so much as it is people whom I have uttered the word permaculture to. So um, I, I would like to you know reach more brains. I think the book is going to help a lot with that. Um, but it's like that whole thing where like how many people are going to read the book? I mean, there's so many great books out there where it's like, yeah, we printed a thousand copies and that lasted for 10 years. Right, <laughs> right. So, <laughs> we're good. We're not going to print anymore. Well, I think, where does that 100 million come from? I know in the past you've tallied up um, your articles on rich soil, which have been around basically since the start of the Internet, some of those. Yeah. And then um, there's your podcast, and then there's um, your other writings, your pseudo blog on permies.com as well as permies.com itself in the mm -hmm. forums. And um, YouTube. And YouTube. Yeah, so it's it's from all of those vectors. So yeah, correct? we just have kind of loosely tracked the traffic, um, and and I, I there's a big thread um, about the traffic where I don't know I think I must have started that thread like eight years ago or something, and kind of reporting like oh here's how much traffic we're getting per month and um, and at the time we were seeing such phenomenal growth. Yeah. That um, it was fun to post and like see how well we're doing. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's, it's and we kind of added it up over the years, and and so then that's how we came up with those numbers. But it was a couple years ago that we crossed the hundred million mark. Well, those were four vectors. Uh, I'd like to add a fifth. So there's the rich soil articles. There's the podcast. There's permies.com. There's YouTube, and now there's Wheaton Labs, the physical place here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, a physical place and meeting people in person does not do nearly as much as the online places. But you know, there's you're on a few social media places too, but we haven't really worked that much. And I think that the stuff that I'm tracking is also just Permies Rich Soil and YouTube. Okay. Um, and so I'm just you know tracking the number of traffic, the amount of traffic there. So. With YouTube, it's a little trickier because it'll only tell you views. So I think what I do is I take the views and I cut it in half to say human beings. Right. Um, whereas with Permies, I think the last time I checked, we're at like 1.5 million visitors per month. And we're at um, about 25 million page views per month. So the average person looks at like, what is that, um, 18 pages or something maybe? Um, but anyway, um, so yeah, that was well, that was one of my wishes: the wish to to, to reach a billion brains right. with with my permaculture philosophies. Right. Um, and, and and granted, I'm I mean with permies, very open to covering a lot of permaculture philosophies, except for the ones that seem so very hateful. We usually remove that stuff. Right. Well, and I think your philosophies have stricter standards for. Uh, uh, humane treatment and stricter standards for um, least or less toxins than right. than a lot of other permaculturalists. So I, I think your standards are are different, and and it's not that you know uh, I, I know you are not a fan of chicken chicken tractors, even though you had tried them. Um, but it's not like we would ban any talk of right. chicken tractors. A lot of people are still huge proponents of chicken tractors and talk about it on permies. Right, they uh, do. And, yeah. and, but you have different standards than that. You would choose not to do a chicken tractor. And, right. And we're not going to go into that. I'm just using these as examples of your philosophies getting into um, not just 100 million brains, but... A billion. A billion or more. A billion. Carl Sagan was probably talking about my stuff in people's brains years ago. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe not. Yeah. I I think I might have been a kid then. (laughs) Well, and along these lines, your next wish, too, is... Oh, uh, infect a billion brains with knowledge of the value of rocket mass heaters. So I'm not saying... You know, that they have to have one or build one or whatever, but just knowledge of the value of a rocket mass heater. Um, uh, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's maddening to me, uh, right now, the things that, like, like, I think that the average American knows a thousand times more stuff about sex change operation things than about rocket mass heaters. Um, they know more about the etiquette 
of like whether somebody wishes to be addressed as he or she or the variations and then about anything about even that, that even rock and mass eaters exist well and i, I just tomorrow's earth day by the way right we have easter and earth day all in one weekend so when people are listening to this earth day is probably already gone by Goodbye. yeah i just want to point out that we support any type of gender identity it's not that we're against it it's just that i think you feel like while this is crucial and important to certain people it can it's it seems like it would be more of a private thing I don't know. We're getting into a cider press space. Yeah, we're getting into cider press stuff, and it's like I don't want to go there. But I, I my point is, is that there's a long list of, list of things um, that it's like people are like, oh, I'm, I care about the environment, and then and then it's like, well, what do you know about rock and mass heaters? And it's like I've never heard of that before. And then you say, well, what do you know about what pronouns to use for people that are getting, you know? And it's like they know tons of stuff about that. Right. And and I'm kind of thinking like like how did that get airtime but rocket mass heaters didn't? How did that somehow work its way through all social media and whatever else so that way people are like savvy about it mm-hmm. but rocket mass heaters did not. Yeah. And and so all I'm so and it's okay to wish for things. Yep. I wish for people to know more, just to know about the value of rocket mass heaters. Right. It's not even knowing more than about how people should be addressed. It's 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 just knowing about the value that you know. Yeah. What is what is the perk? I just wanted to point out, you didn't mean any disrespect to someone who has passions in those spaces. That's so a good way of putting that's it. That's it. And and uh, to to. For what I really feel, that's like, oh, let's let's get a seven-hour podcast going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not a negative thing. It's more of a... Um, yeah. Okay. Right. It, well, it's complicated, like you said. And it's all, you know, anyway. But, um, yeah, so that maybe we should have found a better example than that. <laughs> oh, okay. I think it's not a bad example. I mean, the other one is, is what were those, what those little things that you'd spin in your hand? Fidget? Is it a fidget tool? Um, Fidget something? It's called a fidget something. People probably know more about that than rocket mass heaters. Fidget spinner. There you go. People probably know more about those than about rocket mass heaters. People who call themselves environmentalists know more about those than the value of a rocket mass heater. Yeah. And and it's like I mean there's a li- there's lists of stuff where it's kind of like really Yeah. So I wish as part of my wish list I wish to infect a billion brains with knowledge of the value of rocket mass heaters and I don't know how I'm going to ever do that but I'm wishing for it. Understood. Okay. Understood. Now onto the big list. I wish for the boot camp to fill out and have a waiting list of 200 people. Uh, with great boots, maybe we can have two boot teams of six. The Apple team, which would be the more experienced team, and the Berry team, which would be the newer peeps. Um, if you so- said peeps on Easter. I now regret that. <laughs> <laughs> 
and people might like you better for that, for that regret. Okay. If somebody on the Apple team behaves poorly, then that person goes to the Barry team, and somebody from the Barry team gets promoted. I kind of feel like that's an important ingredient for so many of the things that we do here, where it's like, um, if we have enough people, then it's kind of like, if somebody behaves poorly, what is the penalty? And um, I, I kind of feel like we've designed penalty systems, but they kind of require there to be a, you know, a, a full complement of people here, you know, and it's like, I don't want to say, well, you're expelled. You got to go um, because you, that was that was bad. Um, what I would rather do is to have something where it's like, you know, there's ways to, to make things right. There's, you know, and, and there's people where it's like, you know, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, well, all right, so I'm going to make it right then by my standards. And so here's what I have that's not booting you off, but it's another thing. Well, and I think in most cases, people have self-pruned. Um, they have decided, well, I, I thought I could do a boot camp schedule, but it, I really can't, you know. So in a lot of cases, people have self-pruned or, you know, if, yeah. Yeah, okay. There's some of that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but all right, all right, moving along. Um, the I, I want to get so many people waiting on the waiting list so that the boot selection process becomes much pickier. Yeah. Uh, and we've got we, we've discussed that um, privately and not know a podcast all the different ideas we have for how we might go about being pickier. I mean, you know, so there's Joel Salton has his techniques. Uh, the Bullock brothers have their techniques. Um, you know, what what might be the thing that we do to to be pickier? Um, I wish for enough people to live on the lab that we can begin to implement the four sections. Oh, and I don't think we have a link to that. That's That would be good to have a link to that in here. I, I think most people who have listened to the podcast, uh, they bring up the four sections. Like, what are you doing with the four sections now? Where are the four sections? What do the mm-hmm. different sections look like at this time? Right. And um, And it's like, I've got some rough ideas on where the sections are going to go. But uh, I have, we have not drawn any hard lines yet, let alone like, you know, grow a living fence between the sections or whatever. Yeah. So um, I wish for interest in the pep stuff to be huge. I wish that we would have a couple of full-time pep teachers. Uh, We could have a couple dozen experts coming by each year to teach pep. Um, I wish that we would uh, continue to do the free PEP stuff and and simultaneously offer formal PEP teaching. Um, uh, next up on the list, between the boot camp and the PEP stuff, I wish the following projects get done. Well, going back to the PEP stuff for half a moment, I, you and Sean worked on fleshing out so much of the PEP program. I mean, this was a big part of finishing the book and getting the Kickstarter rolling, which, by the way, it's we didn't even mention the Kickstarter. Yeah, go support podcast. my Kickstarter, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we have more stretch goals to unlock. So um, Yeah, we hit the first stretch goal. Which is exciting. Yeah, and yeah. so we're on to the second stretch goal now. Yeah, that's way cool. So I think... Uh, the pep stuff 
Um, one of the stretch goals is an ebook about the pep stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, I think at the $5 level, everybody who supports the Kickstarter at $5 and up gets a uh, an ebook about the pep stuff, yeah. um, talking about many parts of it, including the Otis stuff, which we made a podcast about. Um, and then the uh, the lick stuff, which we made a podcast about, um, the twenty two aspects of pep, and uh, it'll list off all of the badges from sand through iron for I think about half of the badges, and there are a few badges where we've defined only the sand badge, um, but I I decided that that was enough. To make uh, an ebook and get the ebook out, but people have been uh, coming out on permies and loving documenting their badge bits and working towards their badges. True, true. Um, I, you know, a really cool thing is, is so often when there's a thing like this that's stuck in my head, it's like I have to swim upstream for months by myself, and anybody I talk to about it just seems to find an excuse to fight me on it and try to dissuade me from doing it. And this time, um, I just had a lot of people come out and help. Uh, we asked for help and we got help. Lots of help on Lots the forums. Lots of help. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and the thing is, is it's kind of like, it's like doing dishes at somebody else's house. You're probably going to do it wrong. And, and, but at least you try. Uh, well, and, and I'm looking at you and I say you because I don't try. <laughs> I've, I have been reprimanded so many times that it's like, I, what I do is I wander off. You know, when we talk about people who are lazy, I feel for those people because I'm one of them. <laughs> Have I, I reprimanded uh, you for doing dishes? No. Okay. No. Good. No. But I kind of, I kind of, I kind of feel like <laughs> as long as so this is one of the reasons why it's great where we're going to travel someplace and you're with me, then I feel like I'm glad Jocelyn's with me because now I feel like uh, less of a loser because because I know she'll cover for me on anything where people might get weird. <laughs> so um, and then I'll try to be, I'll try to make up for it in my own way and be good in other ways. Um, that's, that's how I live my life. But I, what we, we, oh, we were talking about the, the key is, is people showed up and they tried and then, um, we, you know, did back and forth and then they, you know, got better and better and better. And then they could really crank them out and do a great job. And, um, they understood and through, through trying. Right. And, and so now it's, it's going extremely well. And, um, uh, we've got the staff at permies.com are certifying badge bits, and um, it's, it's been very exciting. That's what I thought. So I, I just drug. couldn't let you move past there without <clears throat> talking about all the action and activity in the PEP form. Right. And so you wish for the PEP stuff to exist, and then it does exist because we, we put in, we collectively put in the hard work. It was just wonderful. It's like we're swimming upstream. But there are people on the shore that uh, have thrown ropes and are pulling us upstream as well. It's like been, 
It's it has been wonderful. And and then somebody somebody came up and said, This all seems stupid. Why is anybody wasting their time on something so stupid? And then other people replied and said, Well, we think that it is of tremendous value and that um, people will, you know, at some point in the near future, it will be more popular than the PDC. And uh, it's, it is a total complement to the PDC. PDC is, is dominantly classroom time. Right. It's and, a lot of theory. And, and PEP is um, measuring your experiences. And, um, it's uh, very different. And trying to set up so you could do it from home yeah, uh, for free. You know, you don't need um, uh, to, to go and take a class anywhere. Okay. Well, right. I, I thought it made sense to explain a little bit about the PEP stuff, even though I know, you know, in this context, even though I know you've already had podcasts on them. Um, so, yeah, you are going on to the things you'd like to get done. Between the boot camp and the PEP stuff, the following projects get done. Um, number one on the list... A freezer wafati is built and tested. Um, I don't know how many times people have asked about that, and it will be profound when we do it. But um, it's like we've got we've got other projects that have to get done first. But still, I'm this is what I'm wishing for stuff. I wish to get past all those other projects and then build the freezer wafati. Uh, that Allerton Abbey gets turned into a Gert-style permaculture paradise, and we test the annualized thermal inertia. So um, I think that uh, the Boots are going to be working on that here probably in the next two weeks. And um, uh, by the way, speaking of PEP and people working on stuff and things, the, the PEP 1 event has two spaces left. There, there's two spots left in the PEP1 event. Yeah, which starts soon, May 20th. Yeah, May 20th. So, like, in a month. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, and then I, I've had a lot of pushback for the gardening sand badge. You build a, a seven-foot-long, is it seven or six-foot-long culture bed that is seven feet tall and seven feet wide. And I've had a bunch of people tell me that's just too much. And it's like, uh, no, here you'll you'll use the excavator and <laughs> there's a bunch of wood here. Because a lot of people were talking about like, well, here I am, I'm in a trailer park. And it's like, or here I am, I'm in this location, I'm in that location, and I don't have the room to do that or whatever. And it's like, yeah. Um, uh, I cannot design the pet program to work universally for all people everywhere, but I can make it work for here for sure, and that automatically makes it so that it'll only work in about 100,000 other locations as well. And so, um, but I do believe that if we have a whole bunch of people here and they're all working towards, uh, you know, their their pet badge, their sand badge for gardening, and they all build a hugelkultur bed, in you know around Allerton Abbey, then by the time they're done, it's much much closer to being a Gert-like permaculture yeah. paradise. So being here for two weeks gives you access to tools and land and ability to do a bunch of these pep items that you wouldn't be able to do in your trailer park or 
apartment. Right. And if you live in an apartment, I don't imagine you're going to build a hugu culture bed in your living room. Yeah. And the landlord might be weird about it. They they yeah. might be weird yeah. about that. Yeah. So so Allerton Abbey and then you'd like similar for Cooper Cabin cuz Cooper Cabin still isn't finished. Yeah, Cooper Cabin's got a lot longer ways to go. Allerton Abbey's really close to being done. Mm. Um and it would be great to get somebody to live in there uh throughout uh, you know for 365 days when we can call it 100% done. Um mm. Uh, we've got it. We're going to record a pod. I think the next podcast I record with Sean is going to be where we're talking about what all we have done, what were the lessons learned, how much we have left to go on Allerton Abbey. And I kind of feel like um, Allerton Abbey will probably be 100% in the next couple of weeks. <clears throat> um, the doors are good. The seals are good. Um, the top part of the umbrella is done. Uh, the edges of the umbrella need to be put in. Um, the uh, facade needs to be put on. I think that's it. There's a little bit of cob work that needs to be done. Yeah. Um, okay, so so Cooper Cabin, same kind of thing. Uh, Gert-style permaculture paradise and testing the annualized thermal inertia. Yes. And then another Wafati. Uh, the ten. I'd like to do another attempt at a ten by ten Wafati. I have a lot of ideas for a new design for a ten by ten Wafati. Yeah. Um, then uh, and then the. I would like to complete the overhaul of the berm shed here at base camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got tons to say about that. In fact. Um, I I uh, paid somebody um, and they didn't get very far and um, and I've I on the overhaul part yeah and yeah. then oh well yeah there was the paid somebody and then they did a very poor job um, but uh, then I've been trying to to when I call all the timber framers that I know I am now batting zero. Um, and it and it seems like um, I think the only way to get their attention is to say, I'm going to offer you four times more than the job is worth to get it done, kind of a thing. Um, or we fill out the boot camp program completely, and then we even have two boot camp programs. And at this point in time, Fred has gotten quite good at doing this stuff. And so um, uh, we'll just have the boots do it. I think I think that's going to be a solution to a lot of things here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, the berm shed overhaul is complete. We get uh, a bathhouse next to the teepee. That's been an idea that's been bounced around about 100 times. Um, the area around the teepee becomes a girt-like permaculture paradise. Uh, the bee hut has a massive three-season nectar garden planted around it. And we get three more bee huts created, populated by feral colonies. Right. The paddocks on base camp are completed. Uh, The magnificent gardens are expanded and animals are raised here. Uh, we had there, there has been some progress on the paddocks this year by the boots. Yay. Yeah. I mean, wasn't that weather kind of weird? So we had a bunch of boots here for the longest time, and it's like the snow is so deep. And it, it's like to just walk 10 feet in the snow, like out into a field, was work. 
Yeah. And um, it was deep and wet and crunchy, sloppy snow. It, it, was, it The snow was deeper and stuck around longer than most winters here. So it just turned into this thing of like, okay, let's do stuff that's more indoors that needs to be done. And it was shelves and shelves. And then we got all the shelves done that we had plans for. So we had to make plans for more shelves. Well, because they also uh, fixed the mezzanine and floor slash ceiling above the wood shop, too, which was awesome. Yeah. And they completed that. And anyway, so it's been um, that quite was the quite a thing. The mezzanine that was there before was 12 foot long two by fours on edge spaced. What were they spaced? Like every two feet. Like and it's kind of like. First of all, a two-by-four, for that much of a span, you do not put your weight on that. <laughs> that is, that is, that is, and, and it's like a two-foot span. So I kind of get the feeling that that was a farmer job. And that's the way it was when we bought the place. So um, we now have two-by-sixes on 16-inch uh, centers. And solid wood up there so we can store oh, yeah. store some serious stuff up there. So wood flooring, basically. There's true there. wood flooring, whereas before it was like, um, um, be careful where you step or else you will be you know, going, going through. through. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's nice to have that there for the storage and, and to get it cleaned up because things were, yeah. So, Which is unfortunate. I mean, the, the thing I think is unfortunate is is that it's all dimensional lumber stuff. But a lot of the guys felt like they were gaining, like a lot of them never held a drill, yeah. and um, a little alone drilled a hole. And so we, you know, but they were so they, they got uh, or or worked a saw, so they got experience in all these things. Right. So, so we're talking about all these projects that got substituted oh, right, in right. place of the paddocks. You're trying to keep me on track here, are you? Me? me? Do I do that? <laughs> so the paddocks. I want to get the Paddocks completed. There has been progress. It was difficult this winter. I mean, the best time to do it is in the winter, because here at base camp you can't put, you know, or or you can never put post holes in the ground here. So rocky, yeah. Yeah, but it's like when the weather's good, put post holes up, build junk pole fence up at the lab. But this yeah. is a great wintertime project, so we always save right. it for the winter. But when the winter gets to be like this weird, yeah snow that hit here and the the reason the the paddock fencing here we use rock jacks so i don't yeah. know if we explain that and they don't go in the ground they're like this tripod thing to hold the fence post for the junk pole fencing but then we couldn't see the ground and so <laughs> yeah, um, makes it a little hard and we had like what uh 18 to 24 inches of snow of that slushy hard oh it's weird ass more snow. than that in places but yeah it was it made it hard um all right. Designs begin on a Wafati to facilitate 20 people living under one roof without stabbing each other. I have so many ideas about that, but I don't want to even put pen to paper until we've got the other two Wafatis complete. Well, and here we are in a three-bedroom double-wide. It's a 1,400-square-foot um, uh, house. And you and I kind of have the master suite, uh, and we have a bunk bedroom in here, and we have shared this house with anywhere from 1 to 15 people 
depending on whether they're in the bunk room or in tents and they're coming in to cook or share meals or and they're using the hall bathroom and so we we have been racking up experience in uh, community living with sharing the Fisher Price house yeah true so lots I of just, lessons learned and that's a that's a whole nother podcast yeah yeah I just wanted to point that out that's all okay um oh here's a big one um and and I remember like we actually started putting this event together like four years ago maybe maybe, longer. It, was, maybe it was three years ago three or four years ago it was a long time it was when in fact the first time we, it was when I was on my back um, well, I think we were talking about it before that. But we that's were, okay. but I was going to actually make it happen. You know, when you were on your back. Because, well, we had somebody here who said, I'm an expert at events. I I can do events as easy as breathing. And it, it, it turns out that may have been an exaggeration. Um, but we were trying to make it happen. So, so the idea is for something we called the Permaculture Water Jamboree. And the idea is, is that it would be a 30-day-long event with eight events per day with at least four events at the same time at any given time. Um, there would be uh, pond building. Uh, we would build humus wells, terrace wells, uh, which I, I think is uh, my, my variation for Sepulcher's Terrace Spring. Um, restoring a creek from a dry creek bed, a uh, natural swimming pool, uh, digging a well, uh, water flow designs. And on top of all of the water-based projects, there would be a Wafati build, a berm shed build, um, multiple wild edibles walks. Because I think, you know, a wild edibles walk changes like every week and a half to two weeks. Yeah. Because different things are coming on. Uh, massive pep events, uh, food preservation stuff, at least a hundred different workshops in total for the 30 days, largely in parallel. Right. Well, I, I think what you were talking, I don't, I don't remember or didn't talk to you about shifting it to a water jamboree focus, but I remember we talked about it when, um, during one of the Wolfati workshops, the Cooper Cabin Wolfati workshop, back when we called that Wolfati 0.8. All right. And we had this really awesome gal come out who had been a volunteer on Permies mm -hmm. and and <clears throat> she the, just got tired. <laughs> the work was so physically difficult on what they were doing and expecting for that workshop that right. she was kind of like. I can't do this, you know. She worked as a as a desk jockey. Sure, yeah. which you and I do. We wouldn't sure. be able to do the physical part of it either. And we just we started thinking then about um, a hands-on event. And now you've been using the term jamboree, but we were talking about a hands-on, you know, conference or or something where. You could spend a day helping peel a log for and and learning about Wolfati design and stuff like that, you know. But you might spend a day peeling a log, spend a day figuring out how to, you know, do a post 
structure, you know, a pole structure. You mm-hmm. might, you know, your day might be split up between all the different aspects of this is how you do a wafati. And maybe you'd get 10 minutes on the excavator or something, you know, but it'd be like, oh, wafati involves 20 different things. Let's just do the smattering of the 20 different things. And then, you know, you'll be exhausted from that day. But then if you want to, the next day you could spend in the kitchen learning about fermentation, learning about canning, learning about food drying, you know. And and so we came up with that idea back then. And we'd kind of been thinking about it anyway, but it really crystallized. And then it was after that that you were on your back and, right. and started thinking considering it being a water jamboree so then the idea was i I, so kind of like uh to describe what you just described a little bit differently yeah then uh, a person could be like um yeah i i helped out on the um uh on building that wafati yesterday for like two hours and um and now i'm i'm just stopping by uh for a, for a moment to see how it's going mm-hmm. and but i'm really going to go to you know this uh natural swimming pool thing that um where they're doing the design work right now and they're going to start building it tomorrow and um or they could go to that and say oh that turned out to be not my thing and so i'm going to go on the wild edibles walk instead um, you know, so then, then it's like there's, so we did a little bit of it, um, uh, was it the year before last at, when we had the rocket mass heater workshop jamboree, I right. thought the jamboree format worked really good. And, uh, we had four different, uh, things Bills. happening at any one time. Yeah. And so, uh, a person could go, it's so like some people really grooved on what donkey was building in the red cabin, you know, which turned out to be the cyclone heater. Right. Some, and then Erica was teaching a class on, uh, plasters. Yeah. And so some, some people went to that instead. Yeah. Um, I think Fred was teaching people how to weld. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, each each different person was teaching a different thing, and then people wandered around to the thing that they thought was the coolest. And yeah. they could they could stand up and wander to another thing whenever they felt like it. And sometimes they would do that, where it's like, I've and we made it clear, you don't have to do shit. Um, the teachers are going to build the whole fucking thing. You can chip in if you want, or you can just pull up a chair and watch, uh, or do whatever the hell you want. You don't have to do anything. Well, and I, I love that because I've been surprised at the number of people, men and women, who have been so excited about the welding. And, you know, how, yeah. how would you know that? You know, who is going to go out and buy or rent all this welding equipment and then find out, oh, that's not my thing. That was terrible. I don't like I don't like anything about it, you know. But in a in a jamboree format, you can try all the things. And I I, I love that idea because you Did just you, don't know. Have you seen the, the great video from so like as part of the rocket ovens? Um, DVD uh, uh, Kickstarter. We made a micro doc about welding up a, a grate that goes on top of the J2. I... So it's a woman. Yeah. There was a young gal who came. I can't remember her name. And um, <clears throat> I think her name is on the micro doc because we came and we asked you what 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 is her <laughs> name? Uh, and and then. Uh, she uh, did a little welding and then decided that she liked it. 
And, yeah. and so then she wanted to make something of use, and so then yeah. she made the grate. Awesome. And, um, and it's kind of funny because you're watching the video, and she's putting the pieces together to see if they fit okay. And then suddenly one of the pieces falls inside, and you just see her go, "Oh no!" <laughs> so, a little comedy. So it's like you know, clearly not a professional welder, but she did a good job making that great. That's great. Yeah, and so I think a lot of people end up welding up some pretty serious stuff and uh, walk away thinking like. I now have the ability to build things with welding. All right, so the the moral story is we put together this massive event, um, and we were calling the instructors to have them come out. Like, what? How much are you going to charge us? What can you do? How much do you want to be involved? You know, do you want to be here for a week? For the full 30 days, you know that kind of thing, and and so like uh, you know working out all of the details. Now it 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 would be you know like probably seventy five thousand dollars minimum to put the event on. Right. But you know that I I'm just thinking like it would be an epic cool thing to bring together like 50 different instructors. And yeah. and just really put on an awesome event. That's right. a, that's something we'd want to start planning for at least two years ahead of time, if not longer. So yeah. Uh, people can come in for just one day, or many days, or the whole thing. Right. And and once the once all the so I imagine in the beginning. You know, there's going to be a bunch of people that are like, oh, I want this week or I want that week. And, you know, we'll have the whole schedule there. And then uh, they'll get to be a point where it's like we're all out of tickets for the whole thing. There's um, this. There's some tickets for this week and that week. And there's some day tickets available here and there, things like that. And so I imagine that that's the way it'll go. But I kind of feel like like this kind of event would be a good Kickstarter event because it's like if you can't sell enough tickets, you can't have the event. Right, for you know, sure. That's too. That's more risk than I'm willing to take. Yeah, no, yeah. that would be a good Kickstarter. Uh, people can wander freely from event to event and then participate in builds or simply observe. All right. This podcast is continued in part two. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.